0: Good morning, all seasons. It's so good to see you today in the house of the Lord. Uh, we are fixing to start moving toward Easter. And so that's really what my next three sermons, my uh, series leading up to Easter is going to deal with. We're talking about uh, enemies of your resurrection or enemies of Easter. Uh, as we walk through this, I want us to be able to, to realize that that this is the, is the hinge or the catch pin for whether you can celebrate Easter and truly grasp what is taking place or whether it hasn't changed a whole lot about your life. It, it, it may be as, well, I believe Jesus rose from the dead, but it hasn't affected me. It hasn't changed anything about my life and my destiny. There are three enemies that has to be confronted if you're going to be able to really truly engage in what God calls a rising, a resurrection of your life, a transformation of your life, whatever you want to describe it as. And so if you turn with me in your Bibles to Mark 10, Mark the 10th chapter, beginning at verse 32 through 34, this will be our main Scriptures through these three weeks. Inside this really one verse to three verses, it is everything we need to realize what's going on and what is preventing what is supposed to happen. And what is causing the disciples problems? What is causing them trouble in this transition? It's not from lack of people telling them. Jesus, in many times, has told them multiple times, this is what's coming. This is what I was born to do. This is what, but they don't want to hear it. They struggle with it. Why? Because there are three enemies that will destroy you. In the process of reaching your transformation. And as I'll just go ahead and tell you what they'll be as we work through them. Number one will be fear. Fear will be number one this Sunday we'll deal with. Next Sunday we will deal with doubt. How doubt will cause you not to reach your destiny, your place. And then number three, loss. Losing things. And how they affect us in our life. In fact, this, this morning, if you're struggling with certain things, let's say you say, brother, I don't have any fear. I don't have any doubt. You know, I, I don't, I don't really feel lost or anything like that. Well, it may show up more like this. Some of you will say, you know, brother, I stay stressed out all the time. I just always feel stressed. I feel stressed at school. I feel stressed at home. I feel stressed. I just feel like the world's closing in on me. Some people would say it this way: I just, I'm just anxious, man. It's always anxiety. I have these anxiety attacks. My breathing and and my heart rate will go up, and I'm on blood pressure medicine, or I'm on this and heart rate medicine, whatever it takes. It may show up as depression. You know, I'm always fighting off. It always feels like this spirit of heaviness that's coming. And these are the signs of the three I'm just telling you about. We don't really say I have I have you know uh, this 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 loss. We don't really say I have doubt. You don't go to the doctor and say, Doc, I'm really struggling with doubt. Doc, I'm really struggling with loss. I'm really struggling with fear. You know, Doc, I really have a fear problem. He'll look at you and he'll say, well, you're probably stressed out. Right? Your doctor will look at you and say, well, you're probably having some anxiety issues. He'll probably look at you and say, well, you may be struggling with some depression. Do you feel depressed? Are you feeling uh, uh, like like nobody cares? Are you feeling So he's going to use the same words to describe what the Bible describes in a larger term. The Bible says what you're feeling and what you're going through is a result of an attack that the enemy is bringing that's a larger. It is fear, or it is doubt, or it is the feeling of loss. And those things will show themselves up in your life. So this morning, turning now with me to Mark 10, let's read and let me show you kind of what we're talking about. Now they were on the road going to Jerusalem. This is Jesus fixing to head up. And and he's he's told them in chapter 8, look, I'm I'm going, I'm going to die. This is the way it's got to be. And so Jesus now is on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was going before them. And they were amazed. Look at the person beside you and say, they were amazed. Their whole, everything about them, all their intensity, everything about their life is just like, Man, this is, this is crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's like before a big game. It's like all the, uh, the juices are flowing and, and all the, your goosebumps are sticking. I mean, it, it's just like, man, this is, this is real. And Jesus is leading it. So they're even like, man, he's not even afraid of this. He's, he's up front. Everybody's trying to kill this guy and, and, and people want him dead. And, and, and he's not, he's just leading the way. He's like, I'll get up front. Just follow me. In fact, look how it says this. And they that followed him were, there's that word. It wasn't some just great possession. I mean, they're all following like, oh man, this is, this is serious. And fear grips them. Or as the doctor would say, do you feel stressed out? If the doctor would have come to them, they'd have said, yes, I feel very stressed out right now. I feel like the world is closing in on us right now. And they were following them and they were afraid. Then he took the 12 aside again, because I've told you this isn't the first time, again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Here's what he says. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day, he will rise again. All of that in that one capsule, Jesus is describing his whole life. He is trying to tell them, but it all begins with his first enemy that must be overcome. And that is the fact that even in my amazement, even though I'm following, I'm still afraid. Let me give you some advice. Most of the stuff you're going to do in your life that will ever be worth anything will be when you do it afraid. We have this misnomer in church that that he's not giving me the spirit of fear. No, yes, there is a spirit of fear. But there is a natural fear that comes on you anytime you do anything that's, that's over your skis, as we say. That's natural. So when somebody says, oh, I'm afraid, so it must not be of God, or I'm afraid, I don't have enough faith. No, I'm afraid all the time. I'm scared all the time, but I do not let the spirit of fear settle on me. And we'll talk about that in a little while. Because the spirit of fear then brings that stress. The spirit of fear then brings anxiety. The spirit of fear then brings a feeling of depression. And all of that is what hinders us along the way. Fear is natural. Fear is part of your life. There's some fears that God has given you just simply to keep you out of trouble. But to live in a spirit of fear is totally different. Go with me to Matthew 16 and I will use this as also another backdrop to what I'm saying. From that time on, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. So Matthew's talking about this. Mark's talking about it. This is not something Jesus kind of kept in secret. This was not something that he just kind of like didn't talk about. This was a regular conversation. And yet, every time he brought it up, fear would cause them to say, we just don't want to deal with it. How do you know? Listen, This is what the next verse says. Then Peter took him aside and began to, look, we don't want to hear this junk. Stop talking about you dying. We we don't want to hear about this. You know, you have people all the time that will come along and say, and I'll I'll look at them and say, look, one of these days, you know, if time permits, I'm going to have to step back from being pastor a lot and do something different. Look, we don't want to hear that. I'll tell my wife, look, one of these days I'm going to be gone. I can't do no more and I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to talk about that. And the reason we do that is because we don't like to engage in the things that make us afraid. It's not that it doesn't, it's that we don't want to engage it. And Peter looks at him and says, look, you got to hush. Far be it from you, Lord. That this, will, this shall not happen to you. But then he turned and said to Peter, Okay, Peter, I understand it's bothering you, and we just won't talk about it anymore. No, but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me. Now, I haven't said that to my wife yet, I ain't got that bold. But that's what you're thinking. When somebody says, I just don't want to talk about that, grow up. This is part of life. Engage what is part of life. Quit running from it. Quit being afraid of it. Quit trying to stick your fingers in your ears. Quit trying to to act like, oh, I can't handle it. No, grow up. Quit letting fear shrink you. Quit letting fear stop you. Get behind me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of of men. Then Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and... See, we don't have a problem with with this cross thing. But the three enemies I'm talking about are wrapped up in that first part. What does he say? If you want to be my disciple, you must do what? What does it say? If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. We always jump to the, I, I, I'll die for Jesus. I, I, I'll take up my cross. I'll, Peter is the same way later. Peter's going to look at Jesus, I'll die for you. And Jesus is like, that's not your problem, Peter. Your problem is not whether you would take a bullet from me. Your problem is whether you'd kill Peter for me. And most of you in this room, your problem is not that you don't love Jesus. Your problem is you won't deny yourself. You have certain, that's just the way I am. But I'll die for Jesus. That's just the way I feel about it, but I'll die for Jesus. Let me tell you, before you grab that cross, the first thing you have to conquer is the ability to deny what you think, feel, have figured out, voted on, whatever it is you like. You have to learn to deny yourself. And you do it through the process of those three enemies I've just told you about. About fear, about doubt, and about loss. Those three will always be in the process of you denying yourself. If I have to deny myself, there's certain things I'm going to lose. If I deny myself, there's certain doubts I'm going to have to press through. If I'm gonna deny myself, there's certain fears I'm gonna have to overcome. And this is the process by which God moves us toward the cross that we are supposed. It isn't that Jesus just died, it's that he became our example in the fact that he did not fear. He did not doubt. He did not care about loss. He was willing to lose everything for the sake of us. It is what makes Easter what it is. It's not that just Jesus died on the cross. That's what we've narrowed it down to. Jesus died for my sins. No, Jesus left the throne of glory and denied himself and took on the form of a servant. That is what made him awesome. Fear gets us. It's like a couple that got married, and when they got married, they they both had a couple of issues they didn't want to tell nobody about. They didn't tell anybody about. The man had one issue that was really really bad. He he had just whether it was just medically or what, he had stinky feet. And I'm not talking about just regular stinky feet. I'm talking about just like in the morning, just like whoo. So he goes to his dad about the time of the wedding. And he says, Dad, he said, Look, I got this problem. He said, I I don't I don't know if my wife can handle this. What do I need to do? He said, Is it that bad? He says, Dad, it's it's bad. He says, Well, son, every night before bed, just, just wash your feet as good as you can. You know, put put whatever you got to, it, and then put socks on and leave the socks on overnight. And that way by morning it won't it won't smell and, and it'll be okay. He's like Okay dad, I'll try. Well the dog, the woman has issues too and she went to her mother and she said, "Mom, I got some real serious issues." It's like, "What? I have really bad breath." She's like, "I'm not kidding. Like in the morning, I can kill a dog if I rode over and said hello." I mean, it's bad. And her mother was like, "I don't I tell you what you do." She said, "Don't say anything in the mornings." She said, just, just in the morning, be the first one to get up and just get up and go start cooking breakfast. And when you cook breakfast and put all the breakfast out, then you go to the bathroom, get your tea, get everything ready while they're eating breakfast and, and, and nobody will ever know. She said, okay, I'll try it. And for about six months of marriage, it went good. She'd get up right before everybody woke up. She'd start breakfast, and by the time they're sitting eating, she'd go in and get her, her mouth and everything situated. And, and, and him, he, every night before he went to bed, he'd put his socks on, have his feet all washed, and it was going good. And then one morning, he woke up in a fright. He, look, he looked down, and one of his socks had come off. Oh, man. He was looking through the bed, trying to find that sock, could not find that sock. And he's just going into a panic his wife's waking up of course she's like but she's waking up and he's just like baby baby i got a problem and 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 not thinking she turns over and she says what's the problem and he just starts to cry and he says we got to go to the hospital what do you mean we got to go to the hospital i'm afraid you swallowed my sock Sometimes I just can't help myself. It's just, it just comes out. So understanding this is the process. This, this is, we all have fears and we all have things we have to deal with. And there's three levels to fear that you're going to have to overcome if you're going to break it. Go with me to Joshua 1, Joshua, the first chapter and, and, in Joshua 1, I just want to read the first nine verses. I, I wish I had time to just really settle into this whole book, and I may come back to it. After the death of Moses, the servant of God, the Lord, it came to pass, God spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness of Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward uh, the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, that I mean, I mean, you have God show up and tell you that. You're like, yes. Wherever you put your foot, it's done. No matter what you go through, don't worry. Just like I was with Moses, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who did all this, I am with you, Joshua. I mean, you'd be like, oh yeah, let's do this thing. But notice the next line that God speaks to him. Be strong and of good courage, for this people shall divide all the inheritance of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses your servant commanded you. And do not turn from it from the right or to the left, that you may prosper in whatever you do. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And you shall do observe to do all according that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Notice how that this is. Now, God's done said, I've given it to you, it's all yours. But the problem is, even though God has given it to you, there's something that can stop you from getting it. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? And here's what he says do not be. It's amazing how God can spend the first eight verses telling him, You got it, it's already given to you, it's done, done, wherever you put your foot, it's yours. And at the same time, while I'm hearing God say all of this stuff inside of me is still something else taking place. Fear. That sounds crazy to me. Because we read those first eight verses and we're like, man, that I would love God to say that to me. Let me tell you something. Even if God said that to you, you'd still be scared. Oh, no, if God said that to me, I wouldn't be scared. Oh, yeah, you would. You'd be terrorized because you'd wonder what could go wrong. And, and, And there's three levels of fear. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a good stopping point. So let me show you the three levels of fear that you will have to overcome. Three levels of fear that you will have to overcome. And then we'll read the rest of that chapter. Level one. You must learn to overcome past failures if you're going to be able to move forward in life. You're going to have to be able... Joshua, even though God is telling him about all the stuff that Moses has done, where are the children of Israel right now? They've been wandering around in a desert for 40 years. Does that sound like success? Does that sound like Moses got the job done? No, Moses was told by God because he struck a rock, you're not even going to get to go in there. Does that sound like success? No. Because mingled in your life with all of these wonderful trophies that you got stacked in your room and all these wonderful plaques or all these little cards or all these little pictures that you got all over your wall or whatever you've done to make yourself feel like, I have lived, I have all these friends and I have... Can I tell you what also is there? The memory of all your failures. Every time you... Ask someone out on a date. There's the thought of all the people that's hurt you or the people who's taken advantage of you or laughed in your face. See, mingled in all of the victories is also all the defeats. And what is natural to us normally is to always migrate in our minds toward our failures. Failures. It's always natural. Now, Jesus, when he tells the disciples, when he looks at the disciples and he says, I'm going to die. I'm going to, to have to go through all this. Now, he ends it by saying, but on the third day, I will, I will come back. Do they hear any of that? No. Because all they think of is the failure. All they think of is the pain. All they think of is the loss. If a doctor looks at you and just says, Hey, you've got this problem, and you know it it could go bad or or, or it could go good. Which way do you migrate? Yeah. In our lives, we're going to have to be very careful because Joshua has to be very careful of past failures. He's he's fixing to lead the children of Israel into the promised land again. And yet the last time he went to the promised land with 10 other people, they all came back and gave a bad report and they ended up for 40 more years walking around in the desert. The last time God spoke to them and said, We're going in. He's watched all his friends die and family die. And there's a part of him that's like, okay, God, I don't want to go through this again. That's why God has to look at him and says, listen, Joshua, I'm giving you all this. It's yours, wherever your foot lands. But at the same time, Joshua, be very courageous and do not let fear grab hold of you. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Yes, he's going to die, but don't let fear grab hold of you. Hey, you disciples, you want to follow me, but listen, let me tell you the first thing you have to do before you're ready to take up that cross and you're willing to to do, you're going to have to deny yourself all the past failures, all the things you've done wrong, all the stuff you've messed up on. You're going to have to forget, as Paul would later say in the New Testament, forgetting those things which are behind. Now I press forward toward the prize of the most high calling. I have to have the ability, listen to me very carefully, to overcome fear. It is not just the amount of good things that's going to happen. That's not how you overcome fear. You must, number one, forget your past. I have a very short memory, probably too short. My wife is constantly, don't you remember us doing that? No. Don't you remember we went there? No. I live, I live almost brain dead to the past. I'm not saying that's good. I remember faces, I remember things. But I I really do not ever think too much about past. It is the key for me being able to move forward. I don't ever think of anything I failed on. I just know I got here. Don't know how. Not worried too much about it. I just know God says, let's go here. And the worst thing I can do is bring to God's attention. Well, God, you know how I messed up the last thing you told me to do. And you know how you know I was trying that before and I messed. And you know how every time I get started, I fall. If you get into that mindset, it will stop you. Fear will stop you. Number two, the second level that fear the enemy will bring to attack you with, if the enemy can't remind you of your past and remind you of your failure, then listen, he will get you in ignorance. He will destroy you in ignorance. The Bible is constantly telling us that, that knowledge and understanding and knowledge and understanding is, is the is the thing you need to obtain it's the thing you need to gain it's the stuff and God spends time here telling Joshua constantly, let me give you knowledge that you need and Joshua you need to meditate on this how often day and Don't turn to the left and don't turn to the right, Joshua. Keep meditating on this day. Why? Because it's the knowledge that I'm going to give you that's going to help you move forward. When somebody says something that doesn't equate to what you're supposed to do, then the knowledge that you have will allow you to overcome it. Listen, when fear hits us, how do you know that someone does not have knowledge? How do you know that someone is being gripped by fear? Because we go silent in it. You can write that down. I'll tell you how you know when fear is gripping you and destroying you. Because the moment it attacks, you go silent. Let's just not talk about it. I just don't want to think about it. You spend your whole life not wanting to talk about it, not wanting to think about it, not wanting to deal with it. You ain't going to have to worry about how far you get. The enemy will stop you immediately right there. He will halt you immediately because ignorance is the thing that the enemy uses to hold you. It is the thing, and we'll cover that in a few minutes a little deeper. But you've got to gain understanding. You've got to gain knowledge. You cannot remain ignorant And when I say ignorant, it doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means I don't know. I haven't learned it. If you're going to overcome fear, you have to learn something. How how do you get better at baseball? How do you get better at any kind of fear that you do? It's the repetition of the thing. When you watch somebody batting, it's not because they just woke up one day and they're this great batter. It's because they have been in the pitching machine and they've hit it so many times that the time they step in there, it's just repetition now. I, I walked out here just even last year and I had the pitching machine going and, 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 and I'm, I'm 53 years old and, and, and they're like, Hey, pastor, let's see if you can still hit that thing. I step up in there. They crank that thing up. Whoop. And they're like, Dude. It has nothing to do with my ability. It has nothing to do with my, it's repetition. I was like, y'all have no idea. Since the age of five years old, how many times my dad was like, hit it, Tim. Hit it. How many times a ball goes around a pole? And how many times, you know, you ever hit that hit away and it just goes around, it comes back. And it goes around, it comes back. I mean, you just repetition, repetition, repetition. And God says, it's the same way it is. If you gain knowledge, it's repetition. The enemy brings a lie and you're like, nope, I'm not going to be silent about that. I can tell you that ain't working. I can tell you that's not going to happen. And so the ability then to not remain ignorant. He gives Joshua all, these, all this stuff. He goes into detail. You're going to overcome. The Hittites won't stand before you. They, Joshua, don't worry about all the battles in the front. Just remember what I've said. Number three, the opinions of others. Is level three. You know, you can can even overcome past failures. You can can handle ignorance and and gain knowledge and and understanding. But I'm going to tell you something that will constantly be a battle in your life is what other people are saying or thinking. Let me just be honest with y'all. Some of y'all do a horrible job at that. Through your Facebook, your Instagram. I'm going to tell you the best thing you could do is take a hammer to your phone. Because some of you don't have enough sense to know, I don't need other people's opinions. Y'all haven't gained that knowledge yet. You keep wondering why you're afraid to do this. Some of y'all are afraid to wear certain clothes. I don't know what they'll think about this. I don't know what they'll say. Is that how you live your life? Yes. That's why we post it. Hey, look at this. Hey, like this. And we hope that there's 55. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah, I thought so too. Not really. I didn't know. But I'm glad y'all have convinced me of it. But opinions of others will destroy you. It will create fear all the time of what people are saying, what people are thinking, what people are doing. Let me give you some advice. The future... Speaks for itself. I'll tell you the thing that will scream the loudest in time. Is what you did from your past to your present. You want to change what people say about you? Just change what you did from your past to your present. It'll change what people think about you. Quit asking people to say nice things about you when you haven't done anything. People say, you don't trust me, because every time I've tried, you mess it up. How about you prove to me you can be trusted? (gasps) That's so mean. No, it's called truth. The fact is, is that you need to quit worrying about what other people say and what other people think. Let the future speak for itself. Let me say it this way. You can write this down. The depth, then, of your conviction of what you're doing, the depth of the conviction of what you're doing will determine the volume of the noise you hear around you. The depth of the conviction of what you're doing will determine the noise level of what you hear around you. Let me explain. If I if need to build something, or need to do something, or we need to finish something, then my conviction for that doing that thing determines the volume of what I hear around me. If I am heavily convicted, it needs to be done. It's got to be done. Then I really don't care what you're saying and what you're thinking. The more I'm not convicted that it's the right thing, the thing I'm supposed to do, the thing I should do, the more I hear the noise around me that's slowing me down. Does that make sense? So when you come across people that look at you sometimes like, we just don't care what you think, it's because we don't. We don't operate from that. The person who gets up at 5 in the morning and goes about doing what they're supposed to do and moves forward in life, they don't get up because somebody called them at 4.30 and says, you know, I think you should get up. No, there's something inside of them, the conviction that says, I can't lay here. I can't just sit here. I can't waste my time. I can't. The conviction of what's in me forces me to do what, what seems difficult to others but seems natural to me. So if you don't have any conviction about your time, then guess what you're going to do with it? You're going to sleep it away. And then you're going to wonder why your yard is messed up and why your dishes aren't washed. And you wonder why your house is dirty and you wonder why this and you wonder why your clothes aren't washed. It's because you sat around watching TV eating ice cream half the day. Your conviction is what destroys the noise. Past failures, ignorance, and opinions of others. It has to be destroyed to kill fear. Now, let me sum it up just this way. When we talk about fear, praise then, because people's going to say, well, brother, how do I conquer it? How do I conquer it? Because I don't like to tell you all and leave the message right here and just say, okay, I've shared with you all. You all get it? Now go help yourself. No, no, I'm going I'm to tell you. Look at the person beside He's fixing to tell you how to help yourself. Now we know part of that is I've got, I've got to get more knowledge of things. I know I can't worry about my past failures. And I know I can't worry about opinions of others. But there's one more that is the key to doing this. One more is the key to you changing your life or the way you do life. The Bible says multiple times in the Old Testament that this, Praise will not leave the tents of the righteous. Praise Will never leave the tents of the righteous. It, it does, it is continuous in there. It doesn't matter the situation, doesn't matter the problem, doesn't matter the certain. The reason Joshua is able to be where he's at is the fact that praise never left his, his tent. Later, in, early in life, he's sent out with a, t- with a 12 and he comes back, him and Caleb, and guess what they do? They praise instead of complain. They say, look, we're well able. If God is telling us to go get it, let's go do it. Get your pitchforks. Get your knives. Get, tell your kid to get a stick. We're fixing to go in and we're fixing to take this land. And we're why? Because praise never leaves the tent. Doesn't matter if we saw giants. Doesn't matter what it looks like around. Doesn't matter what happens. We are going to overcome it. Why? Because the key component is praise will never leave the tents of the right. You find me somebody sarcastic, you find me somebody always complaining, you find me somebody always grumbling, you find me somebody always in a half bad mood and I'll show you somebody who will never accomplish much for the kingdom because without that mentality you will never overcome the enemies. Man, this is, this is good preaching. So let me show it to you in Scripture. Go with me with Nehemiah 8 and 10. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Nehemiah 8 and 10. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those who nothing is, pre- is prepared. In other words, help people who don't have. For this day is a holy to our Lord. Do not Look at the first message and say, clean up your ugly face. Nobody wants to see your frowny. It ain't getting you no brownie points. Nobody's feeling sorry for you. Nobody cares. If you sit there mully grubbing long enough, maybe somebody will give me a corn dog or something. No. This is not a day of sorrow. This is For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for the... You want to be stronger? I wish I had Pastor Lot's strength. Then jump more. Sing more. Rejoice more. Laugh more. Because you've got to get this understanding. The joy of the Lord is your... I don't need you to get up and clap for me to be happy. I was born this way from the moment he saved me. He said, Tim, do you know what your strength is? My strength is praise. My strength is rejoice. I don't get in praise just because I'm in a worship service. Oh, it's so good. I'm tired. It's time to sit down. No, I worship because you know what? It is my strength. When I'm weak, I'm strong. Let's jump for joy not jump with joy, jump for joy the joy of the Lord is your strength, if you say I'm not strong then learn to jump, go out in the woods by yourself and just say God I'm going to get out here and I'm not leaving until I'm strong when I walk out, I, I'm going to keep practicing this and practice it put you some headsets on or whatever you do earbuds or whatever you do now and, and start walking around listening to music and say I'm not going to leave and quit until the joy of the Lord has filled me because where the joy of the Lord is I've got strength to overcome come. Go with me in your Bibles to Psalms 16 and 11. And I know I'm not staying on these. I'm hitting them. But I hope you're getting it. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of... So why, Brother Lot, do you pursue joy? Because if I'm full of joy and I'm gaining strength, it's because I'm in His I mean, his presence, that's the problem with a lot of you. You want the goodies, but you don't understand the process. The process is in his presence. I gain joy. When I gain joy, I gain strength. When I gain strength, I'm not afraid. You sit at home saying, I wish I wasn't afraid. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen that way. There is a process that God has set forth. And at your right hand are pleasures for how long? Okay. What I ultimately want are pleasures. What I ultimately want in life are pleasures. Fun times, happy times, joyful times. The problem is, is that joy is attached to my pleasures. Joy equals pleasure. So if I don't go through the process and gain joy, no matter what I'm doing, I won't have true pleasure. That's why some of you can go to the movies and come home and still be miserable 10 minutes after you get back home. Because now it's turned from, well, I want to go see the movies. Man, I just spent $60. I didn't even like that movie i have been better off just spending it on something else or doing something else. Why? Because without true joy, you can't have true pleasures. That's the problem with the world. The world is pursuing pleasures. The problem is they don't have joy. And since you don't have joy and you pursue pleasures, they think, if you get this car, you'll have pleasures. No, because I don't have joy. If If, if you get this house, you'll have pleasures. No, because I don't have joy. Does this make sense? Man, I hope this does. So most of you are sitting around wanting pleasures. I wish I had more money. It still won't make you more joyful. You just need more money. Because you, be ha- you can't have joy with what you have. And since you can't have joy with what you have, it won't matter if God gives you more of it. And if you ever understand that, then you understand this is the weapon of fighting your fear. This is the ultimate weapon to destroy fear in your life. Go with me to Isaiah 12 and 3. Therefore, with joy... You will draw water from the wells of. So all this good stuff down there. Oh man, look at that. I got there's friends, and I got stuff I can do, and people I can, I mean, just all kind of good stuff. And, and, and I wish I had it. How can you get it? How do you draw from that from that well? What did God give you to draw from that well with? Therefore, with your bucket to draw water from the wells of salvation, that's why. Oh man, that's why some of you are saved and still miserable because salvation doesn't give you anything other than deliverance from sin. But to draw from the wells of salvation requires joy. You can look and say, I'm saved. Good. God's given me everything. Yep, sure has. It's all out there for you. God, I want it. Well, go get it. Give it to me. (laughs) ain't giving it to you. You got to draw it yourself. I don't know how to get it. Put a smile on your face. Quit talking bad and talk good. Quit complaining. Speak good things. I just want the stuff. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of. This is how you fight fear. Listen, showing up to church at 8 o'clock and sitting there looking like you just somebody just forced you to be here, that is not drawing water. Now, I'm glad you're here, and you're probably going to get something out of it, but you ain't going to get the joy you're wanting. Because some of you, let's be honest, if you had a choice this morning, you would have stayed in bed. And because of that, no matter, even if you're sitting in this pew this morning, you can't get anything from this, and you can't get anything deep from this because you don't have a bucket. Look at that person beside you and say, did you leave your bucket at home? <laughs> how do you know, Brother Lot Because you enter his courts and his gates with, do y'all not get that? Y'all don't understand that? That means from the moment before you walked out, you sh- shake yourself, out well, I want something today. So I'm walking in this place, how y'all doing? Hey, everybody, what's going on? How you feeling today? Man, I'm ready. How you you doing? I'm telling you, if I was doing any better, I had to start selling some at Walmart. It's good. Brother, do you feel that way all the time? No. Sometimes I feel like, oh, Lord. But I realize that if I'm ever going to draw anything from God, walking around like, oh, God, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I work like a dog. Nobody. Let me tell you what God's going to do. <laughs> Tough. That's what he's going to do. Tough. Tough life, ain't it? But the moment in joy, you start drawing. Some of y'all are so miserable this morning, you ought to be jumping up right now, just like, praise God, praise God. You, you're so miserable, you ought to force yourself. Say, look, I can't leave this place without joy. I got to get something. Go with me to 1 Peter. I'll show it to you again. 1 Peter 1, through 3-8. And I've got to hurry. First Peter 1, 3 through 3-8. Blessed be the God. Here's how Peter describes it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a, li- a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. What is he doing? He's building the joy. He's building the mindset. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly In this knowledge, this understanding, out of this ability to get out of your ignorance, you now rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various. Now that doesn't seem like that should go together. I'm rejoicing, but my life is still bad. I'm rejoicing, but nothing's changing. That's what Peter says. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, to God then, this rejoicing and shouting and happiness and joy that you are showing, even though life is not good, to God it's worth more than anything else you can ever do. This is gold to God. This is purchasing power. The fact that you are rejoicing, praising, celebrating in the middle of your junk is what God says, now that's worth something. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor Glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, now catch this, verse 8. This is why i want going to get through to get to this. Whom having not, whom you having, whom having not yet seen you, you, you love, though now you do not do what? I do not see him. I, 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 I love him. I don't see him. Yet believing you, You rejoice with joy. With joy. Do you know that in the Bible it says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory? That He's given us joy unspeakable. You hear people say, that, boy, God gave me joy unspeakable and full of glory. No, He didn't. He gave you the ability to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. People will mess you up there. He says, even though you haven't seen Him, even though you ain't around, even though life is tough and trials are going on, let me tell you what happens. Though now you do not see him, yet through your believing, you rejoice. You begin to praise You begin to jump up, you begin to get excited with joy unspeakable and full of. Oh, if you understood that, that would change your whole way of doing life. You wouldn't sit there, I just lost my joy. No, you didn't, you just ain't got any. If you jump up a little bit and get excited about what God's done and how He's died for you and everything He's given, He's given you all this stuff, you would have joy. And it would be unspeakable to the world, and the world would not be able to understand. Like, why are you so excited? Because of all he's done. And what he's done is proven he's going to take care of me in the future. Go with me to Mark 11 and 24. So, so think of it this way. My receiving, My receiving is always in my spirit. So I receive in my spirit, but I have it in my flesh. But I can't have anything in my flesh until I first receive it in my spirit. Say that to the person beside you. So you first have to receive it in your spirit before you can have it in your flesh. I know it's a lot of teaching, but you've got to get this. Here's what Mark says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you believe that you and you will. See, our problem is we want to rejoice and be happy when we have them. And God says it doesn't work that way. You must receive it first. And you can only receive it through your joy and through your faith. Which fights off your fear. When the enemy says, you're not going to get it. Oh, don't tell me I'm not going to get it. I'll praise my way until it shows up. You're never going to see them saved. Don't tell me I'm not going to see them saved. I'm going to hold them up. I don't care if i got to pray and fast and thank God for it. I'm going to see it happen. There's going to be a breakthrough. You've got to receive it before you can have it. Go to Hebrews 12 and 2, and I'll close. Maybe this scripture will make sense to you now. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our... Who for the the joy that was set before Him endured the... The disciples asked Jesus many times, teach us how to pray. And it makes you wonder, what was He praying? What was He praying so uniquely that they were like, teach us how to pray? I'll tell you what it was. It's not complicated. Jesus could start off in the morning getting up at 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock or whenever before the sun came up, He would head off into a quiet place. And Jesus at that moment would be empty. But Jesus would go away and remain until when He returned, His disciples and everybody around Him knew that He was full. We get this picture in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I'm very heavy. I'm weary. I'm very tired. Will y'all just stay with me, wait while I go pray? This was his routine. He comes back the first time. Is he full yet? No, he gets mad. He's like, couldn't y'all just stay awake? Just come on, Just hang with me just a little while. Y'all go. And he turns around and he's like, I'll go pray some more. And he comes back a second time. And what are they doing? He's like, Father, let this pass for me. I'll go pray some more. And when he comes back the third time, he's full. And he looks at his disciples and he says, Sleep on. It's time. It's okay. I'm ready. Why? Because he's the joy that was set before Him gave Him the strength to endure the cross. And for every person in this room today that God is saying, listen, I want you to bear your cross. I want you to follow me. Lord, I want to. Then before you can do that, you've got to deny yourself. How do I do that, Lord? you got to be able to forget about your past failures. Let them go. I don't care anything you did before today, it does not matter. God's not keeping record. In fact, He separates your sin as far as the East is, never to bring it to remembrance again. I don't care what you did, if you're willing to say, Father, forgive me, I'm sorry, I'm never going to bring that. God says, me too, let's not talk about it anymore. You've got to be willing to say, God, what junk has been put in my mind and what ignorance has been put in my mind, I'm wanting to replace it with what you've said. I want to replace it with what you have spoken. God says that's what you got to do. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Father, I'm tired of all the noise around me. I don't want to turn left and I don't turn or turn right. I want to just meditate and I want to focus on what you're saying and I'm not, I want to be drowned out by all the other noise that's going on. I don't care what's happening at the Jordan. I don't care what's happening in Canaan. I don't care what's happening everywhere else. I just want to be able to hear what you are saying and that's the only voice I need. And then enjoy knowing God cannot fail move forward let me show you it in a picture go back with me to Joshua 1 Joshua 1 and let's read from verse 10 and I'll show you how it looks Joshua 1 through 9 he's telling me Joshua don't be afraid Joshua don't be fearful Joshua what does it look like when I'm full of joy the Jordan is at its, at its peak. The Jordan is 40 foot deep, 40 foot wide. You can't cross the Jordan. It's the worst time of the year to cross the Jordan. People are going to drown trying to cross that thing. We've been in the desert for 40 years, so we, 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 we're going to be stuck here. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp, command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourself for within three days you will cross this Jordan. I love it. Is he afraid? Yeah. Does he still have jitters on the inside? Absolutely. But he's decided, I'm not living in my past. I'm not living in the ignorance of others. And I really don't give a hoot what you think. You tell everybody, here's where we're going. You think Joshua's this way? Well, on his dying bed, Joshua still got this spirit because he looks at the whole nation. And he says, you can do whatever you want to, but as for me and my house, does that sound like somebody really cares what you think? He's, you can do what you want to, go where you want to, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. To go in and possess the land, which the Lord, your God is giving you to possess. Who's he quoting? God. And to the Reubenites, the Gittites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all you mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord has given your brethren rest. And as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them, then you shall return to the land. He tells them, he says, You tell your family, tell your wives, and tell your kids, we gotta go across and win some battles. But as soon as we get through HUD, I'm coming back. I just gotta go help my brothers get their land, just like we got our land. And as soon as I'm finished, Joshua said he's gonna let us come back. But until then, we're gonna be there. Well, how long you gonna be there? It ain't gonna be long because God's already given it to us. It ain't gonna take long because God's already given us the victory. This ain't going to be no long siege. God's already told us it's ours. Wherever our foot lands, wherever we go, it's going to be ours. Which Moses, your servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua saying, all that you command us we will do. And wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. What did they say? We ain't listening to nobody else. We're killing our Facebook account. We ain't going to have Instagram telling us what they think about us. I really don't give a hoot what somebody says about me next week. This is all we're listening to. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. And here's what the people told Joshua Only be strong, Joshua, and of good courage. Why did they say that? Because they realized, Joshua, you're a man like we are. And we know that in this journey you're going to get weak too. And we're just encouraging you, Joshua, don't you be afraid. We got you back. We got you. I'm going to tell you, people I ask a lot of times, what makes all seasons what it is? I'll give it to you in, a, in, in this phrase. Over the course of time, I've earned enough respect that if I say something, people trust me. And trust doesn't mean, well, we'll just go along with it. It means we're going to push you that way and we're going to be right behind you. That's what Joshua said. The people said, we ain't worried about what everybody else thinks. We're not worried about that. If you say well, it's time to go get the land, let's go get the land. If you would say it's time to cross the Jordan, even though it, we don't look acrossable right now, then we were going to cross the Jordan. I don't know how. I don't know the way. Three days later, the Bible says the Jordan's going to dry up enough for them to be able to walk across. How did Joshua know that? He didn't, but God did. Will you stand? We're headed for Easter. We're headed for the resurrection day. The first stop on that journey is we have to leave fear behind. The first step on this journey is you've got to leave your fear behind. You can't go to Jerusalem. You can't get to the point where you're going to pick up your cross until you're ready to lay fear down. And when I say lay it down, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have some tingling on the inside. Doesn't mean you're not going to drink buttermilk sometimes like I do and like, oh Lord, I'm about to have some ulcers. but what it means is is God looks at you and says I didn't give you that spirit of fear I didn't give you that spirit that spirit that depresses you that spirit that that robs you of sleep and stresses you out I didn't give you that I didn't give you the anxiety that you keep thinking I don't know how it's going to work I didn't give you that I gave you power, love, and a sound mind, Tim. And what I need you to do, Tim, is I need you to forget your past. Lay it down. God, you don't know how many failures. Funny thing is, God does know how many failures you have. God, you don't know how big a mess up. Yeah, he does. He was there all along. You got to lay it down. You got to quit worrying about what you don't know and just say, God, show me. Any lack of wisdom, ask, and God will give liberally in whatever you need. He'll guide your steps. The spirit that's in you will guide you through. Just don't spend your time listening to what everybody else thinks. And then let the joy of the Lord. Let praise lead you into the battle. Let praise lead you into the fight. Learn to receive it in joy before you have it in your flesh. Learn to receive it in your spirit before you ever see it with your eyes. With every head bowed, if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, God has spoken to me today and there's some things I need to work out with Him in that. Fears that wrap me. Fears that bind me. Fears that stress me. Fears that create anxiety. Fears. And I'm ready to move past them. I'm ready to just raise my hands and believe God can even when I don't see Him. To believe God can even when I don't feel it. If that's you in this place, I want to open these altars and give you the opportunity. God is here this day and He's here to say, My child, come. Come talk to me. Come lay it down. Come tell me what stresses you out. Come tell me what keeps you up at night. Come tell me. Lay it down in front of me. And let's move into your destiny. Let's move to where I called you to be. Let's move into your Canaan. You can't drag fear. You can't drag fear into your destiny. You got to leave him behind. Father, this morning, I pray that what I've taught, what I've spoken, as we head toward Easter, to where we can celebrate. The breaking of the bondage of fear. The breaking of the bondage of doubt. The breaking of the bondage of death and loss. God, it has no hold on us anymore. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Hey, go give that devil fits.